0: Okay, so today we're going to talk about generational curses. Okay, so that's not something that's sexy, but I've had so many people contact me and ask about generational curses. I felt the need that I had to. I have people reaching out from Arizona, I have people reaching out from Austin, Texas. Um, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, people just asking and wanting to know about generational curses. It's something that you think, you know, this question of, would have been answered. There are people that have been asking this for millennia and nothing against anyone that has spoken on this or anyone that is asking this question, but it needs to be addressed and it needs to be addressed in a way I think that kind of puts it to bed permanently so let's um, let's start off. I always, you know, start off with prayer. Lord God, touch my mind, heart, uh, and let let someone be blessed by this. Uh, I always would like to start off with prayer. Sometimes I forget, uh, but Ezekiel eighteen, I think, puts this to bed. I think it puts the issue to bed. I think after Ezekiel eighteen, we're going to read it. We're going to go through the whole thing. I I don't think there could be a shadow of a doubt after Ezekiel eighteen on whether or not generational curses exist or not. Um, and and the punchline is no, there are no generational curses. Generational curses don't exist um, or do they? Let's <laughs> Ezekiel eighteen. Verse one, then another message came to me from the Lord. Why do you quote this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The parents have eaten sour grapes, but their children's mouths pucker at the taste. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, you will not quote this proverb anymore in Israel. For all people are mine to judge, both parents and children alike. And this is my rule. The person who sins is the one who will die. If it makes you feel better, you can put only one. But the person who sins is the one who will die. It means this is the only one who will die. The person who sins. God goes into more examples. Suppose a certain man, verse five, suppose a certain man is righteous and does what is just and right. He does not feast in the mountains before Israel's idols or worship them. He does not commit adultery or have intercourse with the woman during her menstrual period. He is a merciful creditor, not keeping the items given as security by poor debtors. He does not rob the poor, but instead gives food to the hungry and provides clothes for the needed. He grants loans without interest, stays away from injustice, is honest and fair when judging others and faithfully obeys my decrees and re- regulations. Anyone who does these things is just and will surely live, says the sovereign Lord. But suppose that man has a son who grows up to be a robber or murderer and refuses to do what is right. And that son does all the evil things his father would never do. He worships idols on the mountains, commits adultery, oppresses the poor and helpless, steals from debtors by refusing to let them redeem their security worships idols, commits detestable sins and lends money at excessive interest. Should such a sinful person live? No, he must die and must take full blame. But suppose that sinful son in turn has a son who sees his father's wickedness and decides against that kind of life. This son refuses to worship idols on the mountains and does not commit adultery. He does not exploit the poor, but instead is fair to debtors and does not rob them. He gives food to the hungry and provides clothes for the needy. He helps the poor, does not lend money at interest and obeys all the regulations and decrees. Such a person will not die because of his father's sins. He will surely live. But the father will die for his many sins, for being cruel, robbing people, and doing what was clearly wrong among his people. Okay, so here we see a father, a son, and then a grandson. Okay? The father was a righteous man, and God says he's gonna live. The son is wicked. He says, hey, he's he's gonna die. The grandson sees all the wicked things the father does and says, "I don't want anything to do with that. I'm going to live the way God asked me to live." The grandson is going to live. No generational curses. You see, a grandfather that lives has eternal life. A grandson that lives, but in the middle of the son is a bad person. He dies. But there's something that that should be noted in verse 18. But the father will die for his many sins for being cruel, robbing people, and doing what was clearly wrong. Among his people his people even thought it was clearly wrong Why is that so important? That is extremely important for a couple reasons one is people say if someone is off in the mountains Or someone is in China someone's in the bush in Africa. There's still pockets in the world that have never heard the name of Jesus I mean ever I think in first world countries. We you know, we hear Jesus so much. We've we come to take it for granted you know we go we're christian and we drive down the road we see a, a sign that says jesus is lord or someone holding up a banner saying jesus is lord we go huh that's a little heavy-handed even as believers right we go man that's a little extreme and we take for granted there are still people that have never heard the name of jesus man it makes us think maybe we should kind of consecrate our hearts and be out there with them holding up the sign but anyway there are still places that have never heard the name, of, never, ever heard the name of Jesus. And it says right here clearly, clearly that even his own people knew that was wrong. He knew that was wrong. So for the people that have not heard the name of Jesus, they don't fall under the grace, but they have their own conscience. They have their own laws. And if you're even wrong in your own eyes, you're doing things that you know is wrong, even for your community. How can God Grant you grace for something you even know you knew yourself was wrong. Jesus in the picture or not. So something to keep in mind. Verse 19. Let's continue what you ask. Does the child pay for the parents sins? Or doesn't the child pay for the parents sins? No, for if the child does what is just and right and keeps my decrees, that child will surely live. The person who sins is the only one who will die. The child does not, the child will not be punished for the parent's sins, and the parent will not be punished for the child's sins. Righteous people will be rewarded for their own righteous behavior, and wicked people will be punished for their own wicked behavior. But If wicked people turn away from all their sins and begin to obey my decrees and do what is just and right, they will surely live and not die. All their past sins will be forgotten and they will live because of the righteous things they have done. Do you think that I will do you think that I like to see wicked people die, says the sovereign Lord? Of course not. I want them to turn from their wicked ways and live. However, if righteous people turn from their righteous behavior and start doing sinful things and act like other sinners, should they be allowed to live? No, of course not. All their righteous acts will be forgotten and they will die for their sins. Verse 25. Yet you say the Lord isn't doing what's right. Listen to me, O people of Israel. Am I the one not doing what's right or is it you when righteous people turn from their righteous behavior and start doing sinful things, they will die for it. Yes, they will die because of their sinful deeds. And if wicked people turn from their wickedness, obey the law and do what is just and right, they will save their lives. They will live because they thought it thought it over and decided to turn from their sins. Such people will not die. And yet the people of Israel keep saying the Lord isn't doing what's right. O people of Israel, it is you who are not doing what's right. Not I. Therefore, I will judge each of you. O people of Israel, according to your actions, says the sovereign Lord, repent and turn from your sins. Don't let them destroy you. Put all your rebellion behind you and find yourselves a new heart and a new spirit for why should you die? Why should you die? Oh, people of Israel. I don't want you to die. Says the sovereign Lord, turn back and live. I love how, how God this. turn back and live. And we have a lot of scriptures, um, that God it are inspired by God. This scripture is God. This is God directly talking to his people and saying, turn back and you don't have to die. i don't want to see you die and that's another reason that generational curses are of no effect god doesn't want to see anyone god doesn't want to see the sinner die himself or herself let alone generations of people die because of one sin god is trying to wipe the sin away from that one person not carry it on for generations to come for people that don't even know what don't even know what, what happened you know you'd have a grandson dying for uh, an atrocity that he'd never even heard of that. He'd never even knew the grandparent did. God is saying, no, turn back and live. And I love that. Maybe someone, if you're listening and you make t-shirts, send me a t-shirt that says turn back and live Ezekiel 18. I love it. Turn back and live. And you maybe put the word today logo on there with my name, uh, let <laughs> turn back and live, turn back and live. God says, "I don't want you to die. I don't want your generations to die. I don't want your family to die. Turn back and live. Turn back and live. I don't want anyone connected to you to die. Turn back and live. I don't want your. I don't want you to die. I don't want your grandkids to die. I don't want your children to die. Turn back and live. It says, if a wicked person turns back, they'll live, because God doesn't want anyone to die. It also says, if a righteous person." turns to sin, then they'll die. Just like a wicked person can find salvation, a saved person can lose it. So that kind of is a smack in the face to all of these people who say, once saved, always saved. Well, that doesn't seem to be true if you go by Ezekiel it says, if you're righteous and you start acting a fool, you're going to die why should you live if you're acting a fool if you're a sinner but if you're a sinner and you turn away from your sinful ways it says and i love how how the lord says this. he says if the sinner ponders it if he just thinks about it and goes man this isn't the best life and turns from that life makes a conscious decision to turn from that life into a life of righteousness he will live and then god ends it by urging everyone he says turn back and live I love that turn back and live you know that could be a mantra turn back and live turn and that's what repentance is right just repent means to turn repent turn repent and live repent and live repent and live live. that's what repent means just to turn to turn around turn back Repent and live, repent and live, repent and live. Lord God, forgive me for this. I'm not going to do this anymore and live. He said, you make a conscious decision. What I'm doing doesn't make sense. It goes against God. Let me turn back, turn back to God and live. Walk away from the sin and live. Turn back and live. This is Levi Johnny Griffin, and you've been listening to Word Today green at the scrawl oh, uh-